Howdy, y'all. You've made it back to another episode of Basically Famous. We are so glad you're here. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Basically Famous Podcast. Now, here's your host, Tyler. Hey, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Basically Famous. We are so glad you found your way here. And this week, we are joined by none other than Emily Lochner. Uh, Emily is my boss, but she's much more than that, and she's also a friend and a mentor. And so, Emily, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, <clears throat> so excited to be uh, on. And I think it's funny that you say boss. I, you know, you go through your life, and you ever feel like I'm not this old, and I'm not at this point in my life. And so that's kind of a funny thing. Um, for you to say, I still feel like I could walk into a college party and fit in, even though I'm way too old for that, for sure. Um, yeah, so I um, am from Waco originally and grew up on a dairy and beef cattle operation there. And we have a hay and grass business as well and um, grew up on it, in it. Um, it was, you know, part of our life to, to work the farm and ranch and dairy and um, it was not unusual for us after school to go feed calves. And, you know, I was telling my husband the other day, if there were calves that needed weaned out of the crates and into the wean pins, if my brother and I didn't do it, it wasn't getting done. Um, and so um, it was, you know, part of our life um, growing up and had a, a super great, you know, experience um, then. And um, now, um, <clears throat> even though I work for cattle raisers, um, on the weekends, I go get in a tractor and I know how to turn the levers and how to turn the PTO off. And um, I felt, you know, grateful to have that background. And part of um, what I did growing up, I was super involved in 4-H and activities and public speaking and livestock judging and all of those things. And so uh, after I graduated high school, I went to Butler Community College to judge livestock. And um, I don't tell this story enough. I, I probably should tell this story more often. You know, I grew up in Waco and I always thought I would go to A&M. Don't tell some people in my life that. Um, I had an A&M bumper sticker. I really thought I would go to A&M. And um, I remember vividly. Um, so when you judge livestock, you get one year of eligibility in college. And so most people, if you're competitive in livestock judging, most people will judge at a junior college and also a senior college. So you can get two years of eligibility, one year at your junior college and one year at your senior college. And so um, I, it was um, the summer before my senior year in high school and I was judging livestock competitively and my coach, David Grotsky, um, who's a you know, good friend today, had kind of been talking to me about judging at a junior college and um, I, will never forget for the rest of my life, we were at the La Quinta on Texas Avenue in College Station. And it was the night before the state livestock judging contest. And I got down on my knees. I, I think about this, I was a senior in high school and I think about how like big of a magnitude this was in my life. And I didn't even realize it at the time. I got down on my knees on the edge of this bed in the La Quinta on Texas Avenue in College Station. And I prayed over and over and over for probably an hour the night before the state contest. And I said, Lord, if I'm supposed to judge collegiately, show me tomorrow. It was the state contest the next day. And I said, show me. 
And I didn't really have any preconceived notions about that. Um, you know, I thought maybe it would just be like a sign or I would just know. Um, I didn't really go in with any expectations. And I just said, Lord, show me. This is the way, show me. And the next day I win the state contest and I have two or three or four junior college coaches call me that day. <laughs> and, um, and it was one of those defining moments in my life where it wasn't something that I really wanted to do or something that I had planned to do. But, um, you know, I really thought I was going to leave high school and go to A&M and the Lord said, nope, just kidding. And I, and it was like one of those moments I said, okay, I'm going to listen. And so that's what I did. I listened and I went to Butler Community College and in El Dorado, Kansas and um, judged there and was uh, grateful to be a part of a great team there. Chris Mullinex was my coach and um, was just a great mentor and life leader. Um, and then I went to Texas Tech also then you know, kind of thought leaving Butler, I'd go back to A&M then too. And that was a God thing too. I went to Lubbock and I toured it. And I remember leaving Lubbock, going back to El Dorado. And um, I was praying and um, there was a church sign like outside the church. And it said uh, something like, it was a church sign. And it said something like you belong here in Lubbock. And, and it was just one of those really eerie things you know I was praying and then I look up and there's this church sign there and I said okay God I'm listening again and so I went to tech and um, I wouldn't do it any other way um, it was just in the animal science department at Texas Tech is just incredible it's very Christian based so many of our um, our professors there um, you know led us to these Christian camps and paid for our way to go to uh, Chrysalis which is a Christian based um, summer ex camp type experience. Um, and, you know, most of our professors uh, either took us to church. Um, they would say, you know, in the first couple of weeks, they'd say, you have a church. If not, you're going with me. And, um, and so I was just really grateful um, that I, you know, listened and followed God's plan and went to Butler and tech. And, um, and I think too, um, was grateful for, um, you know, I think if you're looking for college or you're looking um, as a, a student going on any kind of team, a baseball team or a livestock judging team or whatever, um, I cannot underscore the importance of having a you know Christian strong leader as your coach because they're such an instrumental part of your life. Um, I felt grateful to have that you know at all stages of my life. And um, anyway, eventually went to State Fair, worked for State Fair of Texas, um, enjoyed my time there, worked uh, for the Beef Checkoff and the American Cemental Association, and now. Now I'm here at Texas and Southwestern Cowboys. So it's been a great journey. Well, before we get into why are you passionate about agriculture, I want you to talk about the pumpkin patch oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and what that is and how you decided to start that. Yeah, so so um, we have a pumpkin patch, yes. Um, so my cousin, um, so my dad was one of seven siblings and four of whom all either ranch or dairy. We are all on the Brazos River. And, um, my cousin, who I'm really, really close to, um, they live about five miles downriver from us on the Brazos River. This was about four years ago. Um, we were sitting at my kitchen table and I happened to make a comment, uh, Bert and I had talked years um, since we've been married that we always thought it would be so cool to have a pumpkin patch um, just to do something different and uh, but never really I think had the guts to do anything like that 
and we're sitting at my kitchen table. My cousin and her husband had come over for dinner and I just make a comment. And she says, Kevin, that's her husband. She said, Kevin and I have said the same thing for years that we have wanted to start a pumpkin patch. And we all kind of looked at each other and we said, should we do this? You know, it was like one of those really weird things that they had been talking about doing for many years. We had been talking about doing for many years and exactly what they were talking about. We were talking about, but had no idea that the other was talking about it. And so, um, we agreed to go in together and, um, uh, her family, uh, they dairy right on Lakeshore, which is right off I-35 and, um, have some great property there. And, so we, um, every fall set up a roadside pumpkin stand and we sell, um, somewhere in the neighborhood of three to 5,000 pumpkins for three weekends fall. And, um, it's just a really fun experience for us because, um, we get to see a lot of people that we don't ordinarily get to see, you know, we get to see classmates that we went to school from and a lot of our friends and our family, um, our old you know, coworkers that you haven't got to see in many years come by and you see, you know, you put together connections. My cousin Caitlin was a labor and delivery nurse. And I had some friends from San Angelo that had come out to see me at the pumpkin patch, didn't realize that she, my cousin delivered all of their babies. And it was a wild, like they come walking in and they say, Hey, Emily, and Caitlin is standing there and they're kind of looking at each other. And, um, they said, you look really familiar. How do we know you? Anyway, and it was just a wild experience. So it's really fun to get to put puzzle pieces together and see people and we really enjoy it. And it's a really unique way for you to educate people. I know you always have some coloring books and goodies for kids that talk about agriculture and the products they're getting, but also other things. Your family has a dairy, so y'all are big on that yeah. side of the education. So I think it's a great way to connect consumers with the actual product that they're taking home. Yeah, we feel so grateful to have such a great relationship personally and professionally with the checkoff on the beef and dairy side. Um, and they send us all these goodies. They send us goodie bags um, and we hand them out. And um, Caitlin is so good about it. You know, sometimes I uh, just get in the mode of talking to people and Caitlin never forgets anytime there's a little kid that comes through, she bends down on her knees and she says, did you know that we've raised your milk and that milks make strong bones and, and we get to tell people about the value of, of milk and beef and it's a really uh, neat way for us to advocate too. So that's, that's a good point. Well, you live pretty much on your family's ranch, right across the street, and you're active yeah. on it daily. I wouldn't say just on the weekends. I mean, every day you're taking lunch yeah. or parts or doing something. And so you also work in the industry, but why are you passionate about agriculture? Yeah. Oh, that's so, that's such a great question. I mean, I think, I think it's just been rooted in me since I was born. I mean, um, my, so my grandmother, like I said, my dad had seven brothers, was one of seven. Um, and so my grandmother had 24 grandkids and, um, well, my grandfather, um, was killed in a tragic farm accident when the children were little. My dad was 12 when his father was killed. Um, and my grandmother raised seven children and ran a dairy operation. I'm a fifth generation dairy 
producer, um, ran a dairy operation by herself for 50 years, uh, which is just 52 actually, which is just exceptional. And um, all 24 of her grandkids, um, she bought them their very first dairy cow on their first birthday. <laughs> and so I have all these pictures when I turned one that, you know, she bought all of us a, a whole scene heifer. Uh, well, it came out of her herd, but still, it came from hers to mine. And, um, you know, all of the earliest childhood memories that I have, I mean, it's solely been around agriculture. Um, I, my childhood memories are not playing in the kindergarten space, you know, or going to soccer games, which I did play soccer, but it's like my dad and I, every dinner, every, every day after dinner, we would go check on the first calf heifers and we'd take the little buggy out in the pasture at night and I'd hold the flashlight or the spotlight and, and scan the field for the first calf heifers. And he'd drive, even when I was three or four years old, you know, and I remember I, Garrett and I were talking about this the other day, um, my first day of kindergarten, um, Jack uh, is one of the guys that runs, he is really the head guy that runs the farm and he's just great and um, has been working for my dad since before my parents got married. And on my very first day of kindergarten, um, there was a set of twins born on the dairy and Jack had gotten up at like 6.30 in the morning and had went and got um, these two twin heifer calves and he put them at the end of the road. And so when I drove by, he was standing there and he had one arm around each of those twins and he was like waving to us um, to, you know, wish me luck on my first day of kindergarten. And, um, you know, it's just like, it's one of those things that you grow up in it and you just have this deep love and appreciation for it. Um, my dad, when we were little, we got into corn farming um, when I was in elementary school. And um, when he, my parents started buying a lot of uh, property to farm, he would make my brother and I take wheelbarrows out in these hundred, hundreds of acre properties and pick up rocks so that, and pick up the rocks and put them in the wheelbarrow so that it wouldn't, the corn planter wouldn't hit them when it came through. And um, he said that if you learn to love the, if you work the land and you sweat for the land and you bleed over the land, you're going to learn to love the land. And, um, and we did, and I do. And it's just, you know, it's given me so, so much of my life. I can't imagine where I would be without the ag industry that I can't imagine, you know, living any other way. It's just has the best people and the best relationships. And you know that what you're doing is, good and wholesome and um not not any other way so we're grateful for it I picked up a lot of rocks in my day too mostly for punishment so I understand <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was punishment like some kind of way to get us to burn off energy <laughs> probably well you talked a little bit about livestock judging and getting to Butler and then tech but how did you get into livestock judging and how are you still involved in livestock judging yeah, it's definitely um, one of my favorite things in this whole world. Um, so I got into it because uh, my mom's side of the family. So on my dad's side, um, they're dairy producers. And my mom's side of the family is beef cattle producers. Um, but third or fourth generation from Oklahoma on my mom's side of the family. And so my mom's side of the family, um, actually of the 
including those who have been married and there have been nine in our family who have judged livestock collegiately. Um, and so my mom and my uncle both did it in college. And so um, when I was of young 4-H age, like eight or nine or 10 years old, that's what my mom had done. And she had, um, fun fact of the day, this is actually really kind of cool. So um, in cattle raisers, um, or if you're in the beef industry in Texas or in the world, you probably know Minnie Lou Bradley, uh, Bradley Free Ranch. I think Minnie Lou is just um, really one of the women icons, the original women icons in the beef industry, and was the very first woman to win a livestock judging contest uh, in Chicago. And my mom was the very first woman to win both a livestock judging contest and a meat judging contest. Um, so that was really neat. And um, so it's really just been in, you know, in our family's heritage. And um, so when I was I, I remember to this day too, which is crazy. I was nine or 10, I guess. And um, we were in the kitchen and I was bebopped around doing something. And my mom said, hey, there's a meeting uh, at the extension office this week. Do you want to do livestock judging? And I said, yeah, I guess so. You know, like as if, do you want to put ice cream after dessert? You know, like, yeah. So it takes me the first one. And, um, and I just, kind of kept showing up and doing it. And um, really, I would say that passion got ignited um, in high school, um, just, you know, really got into it. We had a great team and we did really well um, then in high school and just kind of led throughout my college career. And um, since then, um, I have helped coach livestock judging teams since I um, got out of college and um, am seeing a lot of those who I've previously coached come along the same path, which has been really rewarding um, and neat to see um, when I, I lived in Columbus, Ohio for two years when I worked for the beef checkoff and I um, had just walked into the local FFA chapter there at that time. And I said, Hey, do y'all have a livestock judging coach? Like I'd be happy to help out if you don't. And they didn't, they had a lot of kids that wanted to do it. And so I said, well, sure, I'll help you. And I didn't know any of those kids. I knew that there was a FFA chapter 10 minutes from where I was living in Columbus, Ohio. And um, so I just kind of started coaching these kids out of the blue and uh, didn't know them. They didn't know me. And looking back on it now, I think, golly, these parents put their kids in a car with a complete stranger. And we drove all over the state, you know, and from this random chick from Texas, you know. But um, anyway, one of the very first kids that I coached in Columbus, Ohio, I saw on Facebook yesterday. She graduated with her master's in meat science. And she was... Um, you know, she wasn't really that into livestock or meats. And it was just so neat for me to see that, you know, like, you know, we were able to get her in the folds and helped uh, coach um, on, you know, when I moved back home and um, coached a, a livestock coaching team for the past three or four years. And they did really well. Um, we had a really great support system and um, we're really lucky to be, um, involved with those kids and um since then so if you um, judge competitive um you could get a full ride scholarship to go to college and um have had six kids go through my program that have got full ride scholarships to college and that's been so cool to see um on our end and um and still involved now um because uh I judge a lot of livestock shows and so it's just it's really neat.
She's also downplaying her 4-H team won the whole state contest this year and went to nationals and was very competitive. And I know you think the world of all those kids, but they also think the world of you. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty neat. Um, it's, you know, coaching a 4-H livestock judging team or any team, whatever you do, you know, it's, um, it's important to teach them, sure, about the skill that you're teaching them. But uh, more than that, um, you know, these kids are young. They're 14, 15 or younger. Um, when I coached, they were for 8 to 18 years old. And it's so much more important to teach them about life and about being good people and loving Jesus. And, you know, I think there's like really operative times in these kids' lives where, um, you know, they walk out of the national contest. Um, and we walked out of the national contest in Louisville, Kentucky, and we were second. Um, which was great and, and exceptional. Uh, but there were times where we walked out of contests and it wasn't, you know, our finest hour and um, teaching them to be humble and love Jesus. And that moment was way more than I could teach them to correct about livestock judging because that's, you know, livestock judging or, or anything that you're doing, whatever competitive sport it is, it doesn't last forever, but those character traits do. And that's just, you know, I think it's important as a mentor or a leader or a coach, whatever you're doing in whatever capacity to, to really kind of stay grounded to character traits and Jesus and how that, you know, impacts your life. Well, if you could go back and give yourself any advice, what would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I would say so many things. <laughs> So many, so many pieces of advice. Um, number one, I think just go for it and put yourself out there. And I think like now in my position, um, I remember, I'm going to say kids, but high school students or college students, you know, I remember when I was that age, if I went up to somebody and shook their hand, I would think, well, they probably are never going to think of me or remember me again. That's not true. I mean, especially the kids who are willing to put themselves out there and walk up to me and shake my hand and really do a great job or express interest in it, you remember them. Um, and, and when they email you, then it sticks in your mind. And so um, don't be afraid to put yourself out there, but in doing that, you know, just work hard. I mean, going, I, I'll never forget I, um, when I was at Texas Tech, I did an internship through the College of Ag to intern um, on the Hill in Washington, D.C. And before we went, they sat us down. There was 18 Texas Tech interns that were going to, we were all going to live together at a house in D.C. And um, they sat us down and they kind of gave us a prep talk of how to be a good intern on the Hill. And they said, if there's some, if there's nothing to do, go clean the fridge go clean the fridge, go pick up, go vacuum, go organize the files, whatever it is. Like, don't just sit around twiddling your thumbs, waiting for someone to tell you what to do, go do it. And I think that that has been really valuable in a lot of areas of my life. Um, you know, not just going and cleaning the fridge, but going and doing things, um, and, and making action, um, to move yourself forward in your career. I think that's important. And I also think, don't be afraid to, um, fail, um, or try something cause it's not permanent. Um, 
you know, the first job that you get out of college uh, may not be what you want. I, you know, I worked for the beef checkoff and I, I, I love and have the world's most respect for the beef checkoff, but I realized that, you know, I really wanted to be more on the producer side. Um, and I, like I said, I have the world's most respect for the checkoff. We couldn't do what we do in the beef industry without them. But for me, I wanted to be more at the, the grass level where I started on the producer side. And so, um, you know, I worked for the checkoff, realized that maybe it wasn't for me, went back to um, the producer and the membership side of things, which is where I loved it. And um, you're going to make those mistakes. Like the first job that you take out of college, you, you may or may not love. Um, now I'm saying that to you, Tyler. So, you know, your first job out of college, I hope that you love it. But that being said um, that, you know, people, you may not, you, just generally speaking across the globe, you may not like your first job out of college. That's okay. That is okay. It is a great job and you're going to learn and you're going to learn so much and you're going to put in two to five years and find something that you like better. Um, you know, and I just think that not being afraid to fail and take those chances and get out of your comfort zone. Um, oh, I know another great piece of advice. Leave your hometown. That's my advice. Do not, if you live in College Station America, do not go to Texas A&M and then come back and work in College Station America. Get out, whether you're going to college, your first job, an internship, whatever, get out um, and go experience something outside of your hometown for at least, you know, a year. Um, that's important. <laughs> I lived away from Waco for 10 years and that was great. I'm glad that I did. I totally agree with that. And to wrap up our episode, everyone's favorite question on the podcast is if you had a billboard, what would be on it and why? Um, you've asked me this question before. I really need to refine my billboard slogan. I think it would be something like, um, you know, love like Jesus does. I don't know if you've seen that little video. It's all over Instagram um, and TikTok of Jesus washing the feet. Have you have washing the feet? Have you seen that video where he's washing Donald Trump's feet and he's washing Joe Biden's feet and he's washing um, all different walks of life, men, women, and children from all countries of the world, and he's washing their feet and the image like on the video is Jesus and the tub never changes, but the people sitting in the chair change. And um, sometimes I think that's like, that's hard to implement in your everyday life when there are people who maybe don't, don't believe with you, especially in today's world. Um, there's so many controversial topics out there. And um, I think it, you know, I would hope that my billboard um, would say, and I hope that I live my life like just love like Jesus does and wash everybody's feet the same, whether they agree with you or not, whether they're a Republican or a Democrat, whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated, or they believe in this or they believe in that. Your love of Jesus and agriculture should unite you. Um, that's a personal belief, but you're, you know, across the globe, whether you're in agriculture or not, your love of Jesus should um, unite you and, um, and just, you know, have the ability to center that among a lot of other things that you may not be centered with, you know, with other people. So, um, I'll maybe come up with some fancier slogan the next time you say that, but we'll go with love like Jesus does for now. 
Well, I think that's a very accurate representation of who you are as a person. So I do love that. And thank okay. you for thank you for joining me on the podcast this week. I know our listeners are really gonna love it. Uh yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Uh it's been a pleasure. I'll 